0: So good to be with you guys, Bosch PM, great to be uh, here with you guys uh, this evening and have the opportunity to share with you guys. Ian, great to have you back after sabbatical. And I just want to say, Bosch PM, I hold this against Rich Mellon, that yesterday he made me walk 15 beautiful hours in nature, and this morning when I was preaching in AM, I could not actually get onto the stage. I had to come around and walk up the little stairs. So Richie Mellon. I got your number, buddy. But today is Valentine's Day. So happy birthday to all of you on this special Valentine's Day. Uh, I need to tell you that uh, it was our 17th wedding anniversary just a week ago. And that can feel like a a whole lifetime to some of you. Uh, Maybe you were three, four, five years old when we were getting married. Uh, Maybe you can look at this now and or then and now picture that I pulled together. Can we put that on screen? There you go. There's baby Ryan and baby Kate. And obviously we've sprouted some kids uh, since that moment, 17 years ago. But a, a funny story, last week we go paddling on one of those kind of sea kayak paddle uh, expeditions and we've got a, a guide and he's showing us around out near Simonstown and we come past the penguins and as, uh, as we're coming past the penguins, he's telling us all these interesting facts, some that I know, know and some that I don't. Uh, the one fact is that penguins stick together for life. That that we did know. But what I didn't realize is that when a a male penguin is looking for his partner, he presents potential suitors with a shiny stone or pebble. And and if that little penguin says yes and accepts the little pebble, then they stick together for life. And and if that uh, lady penguin just lets go of it or pushes it away or disregards it, then there's no chance. And guess what? The same is true of what happened between Kate and I. 17 years ago, I pushed my shiny little pebble towards her, and she said, yes! And we've been married for 17 years, right? How crazy is nature when we think about these things? And, and I want to say to all the married couples out there, I've found that it's true what the older generation has said to me, that, that marriage can keep getting better and better. Why? Well, because we know that the grass is greenest when, when we water it most, where we water it most. So I want to call every married couple here in Bosch AM, won't you keep watering, watering the garden of your marriage? But I, I am digressing. That's a whole nother sermon, right? Today, I, I want to be speaking to us about launching our origin sermon series, where we're going to be looking for the next three, I mean, six weeks at three chapters. We're going to look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the very first words in the Bible, now, the reason we want to do this is because in a season of, of so much uncertainty, we've seen so many people in our world and in our church really grappling with all these different important matters of faith and understanding in this life. In fact, when I think back over human history, I think people have almost always been grappling with an uncertainty about either God or themselves, and that's what our worldview is making up and made up of, and sometimes people grapple with both, and this has led people throughout history to feelings of insecurity and vulnerability and elements of anxiety and concern and question and doubt. That's real for all humankind, right? When we don't have firm foundations to stand on, and how much more in this unique COVID season in our history I don't know what you're seeing out there, but I believe that many people are looking for these firm foundations to place their feet on, to stand upon in this unsettling time. And I think that we we can recognize that this could also be said of us, even in Christian community. This week I heard Ian saying, this is a unique season where our reality and our theology are colliding. And that's so true, isn't Our reality and theology just colliding. So out of a desire to serve all of you, our people, uh, and, and also the Cape Town City, we want to, over the next six weeks, we want to go in search of firm foundations. And we can't think of anywhere better to go than right back to the beginning, to the origins of all things, because that's where we believe it all started, and that's where we believe we can find some of the big answers. Answers to questions like, who is God, and why are we here, and what's so wrong with our worlds, and how is it all going to be fixed? These are matters that we can know for sure in our unsure world around us. They can become an anchor to our souls. So we're going back to origins. And maybe, maybe you're not a follower of Christ here today. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're still deciding what you believe I really do believe that this journey is going to serve you. So we would love to say, will not you join us over the next six weeks? These are some of the biggest rocks of the Christian worldview and understanding and, and belief. And, and we believe they can change your life. So I want to pray for all of us uh, this evening as we get going and then we're going to get stuck in. So will not you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we want to ask God, won't you tonight, won't you come right now to every person where they are in their homes, won't you, God, come and minister your Your truth and your light to the depths of our being? Won't you illuminate our minds and our hearts as we consider you fresh and as we grapple with your word? We ask, God, that you would achieve your purpose in us, and that you would speak to us, and that you would cause us to find firm foundations in this Origin series. God, even tonight, won't you cause us to find firm foundations? In your beautiful name, we welcome you to come and speak to us and lead us. Amen. Amen. Now, today, we're going to be answering just one question. One question, and this is it. How? How did we get here? How did we get here? And to unpack the answer to that, guess what? We're only going to be looking at just one verse. The very first verse in the Bible. I'm not sure if you knew this, but on Christmas Eve... In 1968, the, the crew of the Apollo 8 they were the first humans to successfully orbit the, the moon. As they came around uh, and they came back, but as they were coming back, they came around and they saw this big blue planet of ours. And they read this very same verse, Genesis 1:1, in the beginning. Uh, no, I'm just joking, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a great verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those are just 10 words. But those 10 words answer one of, and actually a few of, the most important questions in all of life. How did we get here? Well, this verse teaches us that the universe had a beginning. That there was a time when things were not. And then there was a moment when things were and the important part of this is that we see here that it, it is God that was behind this moment. God created. God instigated. And I think we all know that the questions around how this creation came about. Well, that's a great area of scientific exploration. And, and also it's a great area of theological discussion and debate the world over, right? But here's what all Christians do agree on. That the book of Genesis is far more concerned with the who brought this creation into being than the how this creation came into being. In the beginning, God creates it. Importantly, in this verse, God declares him as the autonomous creator of the totality of it all. All of it. All of the things that the astronomers are, are discovering still every day today about the vastness of our universe out there and all of the new creation that's being discovered on our planet still today. To be honest, I would have thought that we, have, we found out about all the plants and animals on our, our planet by now, right? But did you know that new discoveries in the plant kingdom alone have been published at rates of somewhere between 2,100 and 2,600 new species every year in the past 15 years? Every year. And also, we literally just scraping the surface of the discoveries below the water in the world's vast oceans. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did it all. Now, with getting, without getting too technical, I think it's important to recognize some, some important kind of elements of this word beginning. See, there's a special whisper in this sentence that the original writers would have heard as something of a a shout or a declaration to them. See, their literary experience would have seen that word beginning very often and and kind of in this case paired with the word end. Sort of like how we use Alpha and Omega. Sometimes if I just had to say, God is the Alpha, so many people would just immediately want to say, and the omega. That's how you want to kind of naturally finish the sentence. And as the readers would read this sentence or hear this in the beginning, they would have also heard an end being inferred here. Not like the end of time or the conclusion, but rather they would have kind of sensed a, a goal or a purpose or a destination, a trajectory that this beginning was kind of leading towards or the purpose of this beginning. So the vital whisper for us to hear in this sentence is that God is a God who created with a purpose and a plan in mind. It's saying that God did this for a reason, that there was intent in what he did. Now, in my mind, that should be the first anchor. Anchor for our souls. That should be the first firm foundation upon which we can stand. We live in a world created by God and that creation has a purpose. Maybe before we keep going on looking at this kind of design elements of how God has created our world and how it's come about. Maybe I want to look at some of the other options for what other people might believe to that answer. I mean to that question of how did we get here? And, and straight away you might be inclined to ask well how many Different options are there, and and really, a friend of mine, Andrew Wilson, he's a theologian, he's in the UK, and he's kind of looked and done the work, and he's pretty much recognized that there are only three major categories of thoughts. Uh, on the kind of whole creation origins, that type of thing. He says that if you take all the different philosophies, you can pull them together into three different categories. The first one is this. Either it was blind luck, or secondly, the universe is just one of many universes in the multiverse, or thirdly, divine design, which is what we've just read about in this verse. So blind luck, multiverse, or divine design. And I, I believe we we should take a few minutes here to briefly explore these three options because I think it's worth it. If we're going to find solid ground to stand on firm foundations, then we need to make sure that we we understand some of these other options that people do. Believe. So let's look at luck first. Option one, how did we get here? It's believing that creation was all just random happening, a lucky accident. And firstly, I believe there is a scientific and mathematical problem with nothing becoming something, right? But let's put that aside for a moment and and imagine we can get past that. Then I think the question around this luck dynamic becomes just how lucky would things have to be to see our universe come into being. And scientists tell us that a whole lot has to be just perfectly right for our universe and life on earth even to be possible. Francis Collins, he's head of the Human Genome Project. He had this to say about this this conversation he said when you look from the perspective of a scientist at the universe it looks as if it knew we were coming there are 15 different constants that have precise values and if any of these constants was off by even one part in a million or even in some cases by one part in a million million then the universe could not have actually come to the point where we see it Matter would not have been able to coalesce. There would have been no galaxies, stars, planets, or people. Hell, I'm a visual guy, right? I like, I like pictures and, and Garth's here, and he likes different analogies and things. So for the sake of Garth, let me just unpack this in a picture for you. Imagine there are 15 roulette wheels, right? Those are the ones you see in the movies where they spin it around like that. There are 15 of those, and on them are a million different numbers. The normal uh, kind of numbers on a spinning wheel when I was at the casino last night was 36. No, I'm just joking. I had to Google it, right? Okay. But 36... Imagine it's not 36. Imagine it's a million numbers on this, on this table. Now, imagine you walk up to the first one of these tables and it says gravitational pull. And as you walk up to it, uh, the person says to you, you need to choose your number, somewhere between one and a million. So you choose your lucky number, seven hundred seventy-seven, seven hundred 777,777. That's your lucky number between one and a million, right? And the dealer, he throws the little ball in and it spins around, but all the numbers and can you believe it? Out of the million possible numbers you could have landed on for gravitational pull, the cons- that that little ball hits that number, 777,777. 777. Literally, if it was one number to the left or one number to the right, nope. Gravina- gravitational pull is not perfect. The planets are not able to hold in tension. They separate from the sun and it's either too hot or it's too cold and no life is possible on earth. But that's just one table. Now imagine you did that at four more tables with a million numbers at each of those and you got it right every single time. I hope you can see the bottom line is that our universe is incredibly finely tuned for life. Dr. John Polkinghorne He's a quantum physicist, and he's president of Queen's College, Cambridge, and he references the following picture in speaking about how finely tuned the universe is. He says, it's the same as aiming at a target an inch wide on the other side of the observable universe, 20,000 million light years away, and hitting that mark. Now, many people do believe that our universe and our world have come about as a random act of chance and and the truth is that that it's not possible to prove the imp, the impossibility of this possibility right but when we look at some of these uh, complex realities and just how perfectly perfectly perfect it's got to be i think it becomes a matter of probabilities And I also think that we have to recognize that it takes a a pretty big jump of faith to believe in those probabilities, that it was all just luck. So what about option two, the multiverse? The multiverse is, is this idea that there are billions, even trillions of different universes out there and they all have different physical laws and with so many out there, surely, possibly one of them, in some of them maybe, there is life out there. And we happen to live in one of those universes in a spot in the universe that does sustain human life. Many believe this is possible. And again, the problem is obviously that we, we can't really know. Because it's impossible to to reach and to pinpoint the, the kind of edge of our own universe. We can't even pinpoint that, never mind get there. Because our world is, I mean our universe is ever expanding. So we'll never be able to look out the window and see if there are more universes. We can't get there. We can't peer beyond what we can see. So again, it's impossible to say that this is not possible. But we have to therefore again ask that question of probability. And working all the kind of complexities is, is, is probably something that honestly is above my pay grade. So what I want to do is I want to point to you, those of you who are kind of inclined to want to read. I want to... Imp- I want to encourage you to go and read potentially a bit more on this multiverse theory. And here's two books that I, I want to point you towards. Firstly, there is a God. Professor Anthony Flew wrote this book. He was a prominent atheist, maybe the most prominent atheist before Dawkins. But then he changed his mind and he, and he writes in this book about why he changed his mind from being an atheist to a believer in the possibility of God creating. And he speaks about the multiverse in this book. The second book is this. I prefer the title, Why There Almost Certainly is a God, by Keith Ward. Maybe you want to check that out. He's a philosophy professor at King's College in London. He's the divinity professor at Oxford. And I love that humility because he's going about trying to scientifically look at the probability of God, and he calls the book, Almost Certainly. But for those of you, maybe you prefer an executive summary or book summary without needing to read both of those books. The short answer on the probability of the multiverse is scientists actually do agree that it's highly unlikely. So let's look at the third option. And this is really the one we're wanting to spend time on here tonight. This is the one that I'm fully convinced of with my whole life. This is the one our scripture speaks to. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. How did we get here? By design. Our world has a creator. And this is what what I totally believe in. And and believing this changes my life and changes the way I orientate my life and go about my life. Because the fact that there's a creator and he has created changes things for me as creation. Again, for God, let me share an analogy to help you understand why I believe this and, and, and maybe help drive this home a little bit, Right? Let's stick with the, the kind of casino vibes. And imagine that we're playing Texas Hold'em poker. For those of you who uh, don't understand Texas Hold'em poker, you pretty much get two cards dealt out of the, de- out of the deck of uh, potential 52. Each person just gets two. And aces are the highest possible cards that you can have. So if you can get two of those, that's amazing. Now imagine you sit down with a few people one night, and you've committed to playing a hundred hands, and the first hand, in the first hand, that person next to you gets dealt two pocket aces, right? it gets ace, ace, that's called pocket aces, sorry, not two pocket aces, gets dealt pocket aces, ace, ace. Now probabilities say that you should get those every 221 hands that you play, you're likely to get pocket aces. So as you look at this person getting pocket aces, what is your initial thought? very lucky. First hand of the night, he gets pocket aces. That's brilliant. Now imagine that happened a second time. The guys that I play poker with, they'd be like, oh my goodness, taking photos, two pocket aces in a row. That's ridiculous. This person is having the night of their life, right? But here's what will happen with the guys I play a bit of poker with. If I had to see third time in a row pocket aces being kind of dealt out to the same person, the guys I play with would stop the game. Why? Because straight away they would very quickly come to the conclusion that there is something else going on here. That this action is definitely by design. Now imagine that happened a hundred times in a row. A hundred times one single person had got dealt pocket aces out of a stack of 52. A hundred times in a row. That's the probability of our universe kind of just being a lucky thing outside of a designer. And I'll be honest with you, that kind of luck is just way too lucky for me. I do believe that someone is pulling the strings behind the scenes. Just like my poker buddies wouldn't let the third one go by. They're like, something's happening by design, right? And when we look at the world and, and the creation around us, we call it creation one. Why? Because it's beautiful and it's complex and it's vast and it's incomprehensible. But it is the work of a creator. It's not just random luck. I find myself thinking this thought, you don't just wake up one morning and you're sitting inside a beautiful, latest 2021 20, Ferrari. It's beautiful and it's red and it's just beastly vehicle machine all around you, beautifully designed. You don't wake up sitting in that one morning and go, ah. Oh, You know how this came about? Well, it was all a thousand different metal factories exploded all around you. And as they exploded all around you, the perfect shape of this Ferrari just happened around you. No, that's not how it works. You recognize that Ferraris come about because Enzo Ferrari and all his design teams since he started, they design every single element of these beautiful machines and they place it together with purpose. How did we get here? We got here because... Not Enzo Ferrari did some design. No, the God of the universe did a design work that is beyond our capacity to to comprehend. He created the heavens and the earth. And and the beautiful things is that the, the vast skies shout of his mercy. And he holds the universe in his hands. What about this little guy? Let's pop up a picture here. What about this little guy? He was discovered in Australia only in 2015, but he's got the best name ever. They called this species the Sparkle Muffin. He's also known as the Australian Peacock Spider, but it's Sparkle Muffin that I'll stick with, right? That's his other name. And the Sparkle Muffin shouts the wonder and intricacy of our planet's creatures. And this guy was only discovered five years ago, six years ago. God created all of this and we haven't even fully explored it. And he did so with purpose. And over the next six weeks, we're going to discover a whole lot more about the different purposes for which God created. It's like one of those Netflix series where you've got to actually watch the next episode to understand how it all comes together, right? So I want to encourage you to come on the journey with us. But here's what I believe should happen when we understand that we are here because God created everything, including us. I think, yes, we should ask why. We'll unpack that. But we should also find ourselves looking at the breadth of the universe and and looking at the beauty and the intricacies of the world and, and even of the sparkle muffin. And it should cause us to be in awe of this creator. Who is this God that can create all these things? Just the Think about the size of him. Think about the beauty of his mind. Think about the power of his hands, the, the, the strength of his voice, and be in awe. That's what I believe the natural response is. And I don't think that this should be too hard for us as humans because this is how we work, right? When we see intricate design and, and we see something that's beautifully made and it's fit for purpose, We conclude, what a clever designer. I know a lot of you, you scroll through your Pinterest feeds just looking at cool things that people have come up with. And you're like, wow, these people are so clever. And kind of your your feelings about them or affirmation or whatever it is of them kind of just rises as, as you go, wow, you came up with that? Some cool stuff out there on Pinterest, right? But have you ever found yourself saying, oh, I love that painter or that sculptor or that musician or that actor or that speaker or that writer. Well, we do that because when a person creates, this causes our appreciation for that creator to rise. And in in my home, here's what's happening at the moment, right? We've got two tweeny daughters and Oscar's about to turn nine. and, And our girls are Obsessed with young actors these days. They love their acting and, and then they go watch all these other little videos about actors, hidden talents and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just trying to rein it all in, but they're like, Oh, Thomas Brody Sangster, he's so amazing. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Why are you telling me? But, but forever they're talking about these, these performers that they've come to appreciate. And then what happens next? They say, Oh, I'd love to meet these people. I'm like, they're just people. Don't go get so excited. This is natural. We love the creative work of people and we find ourselves seeing our appreciation for the, the creator just rising a bit. And then we find ourselves wanting to move closer to them. Oh, how cool would it be if we could meet Michelangelo or some other amazing person in, in, in creative history? And when we look at the creation of our world and universe, I believe that should be our natural response to God, too, we should appreciate him a bit more, and we, we should find ourselves wanting to draw near to him. He's got him in unimaginable intelligence, way beyond anything any of us can comprehend. When I look at the, the beauty, when I th- think of just the expanse of what he's created, I think we, we start to get glimpses of, of his personality. God is a generous God. God is an expansive God. God is a powerful God. And naturally, I find that as I I think about these things, my heart longs to know him more and to to come closer. When we think about the fact that he did all of this with us in mind, humanity in mind, I think when we think about that, a fresh humility and wonder should come upon us. Paul Tripp, he comments on this, like this, he, he's a writer and a pastor in the States. He says, God created an awesome world. God intentionally loaded the world with amazing things to leave you astounded. The careful, air-conditioned termite mound in Africa, the tart crunchiness of an apple, the explosion of thunder, the beauty of an orchid, Orchard, orchid, 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 the interdependent system of the human body the inexhaustible pounding of the ocean waves, and a thousand other created sights, sounds, touches, and tastes. God designed all to be awesome, and he intended you to be daily amazed. So Christ follower, let me ask you this evening, how are your all-levels? How are your awe levels? Are you just seeing the circumstances and the things around you and finding yourself in awe of those or overwhelmed by those? Are you, are you raising your gaze to see the, the full majesty and wonder of the universe all around us? As I was preparing for this, I, I felt God saying, look up. Just those two words, look up call my people to look up and I felt God saying that so many people in this season of covid realities are looking down and around and at everything around them and yet he's wanting us to 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 look up and be focused not just on what's going around us but have some perspective don't don't miss out on true perspective We're, when you find yourself kind of looking to God, when you look to the creation and, and the beautiful universe around us, I believe a fresh perspective comes on us. So can I call us to be a people that are also looking up? We have to deal with daily dynamics, but we are called to look up. And ever since I kind of felt that word, I've been thinking of that Lauren Daigle song, Look Up, Child, and that song is, is just playing on repeat in my mind. Maybe you want to go listen to it again. Look at the stars, uh, look up to them and, and what do they say to us? Look to the heavens, what do, what do they show us? Look look even to yourself and, and, and say, I, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. As Jen Wilkins says in her study on Genesis, we are a megaphone for his glory. When you look at the intricacy of how we've been created, we're a megaphone for his glory. Maybe for those of you who are still looking into Christianity, I, I hope I've given you some things to think about today. Maybe you started to question whether you believe that just all creation is, is luck. Maybe you're wanting to, to just explore a little bit more these glimpses of a creator who has made a place for us with purpose. Again, can I invite you to come on the journey with us over the next few weeks. We'd love to have you along. We believe like we're taking these steps towards firm foundations together and you're invited. For all of us, can I encourage us to mine the depths here for these firm foundations as we we root ourselves in the ancient truths of, of our world and God's word, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This should bring an anchor to our souls. I know that I'm no accident. I know that I'm no product of random chance. I believe the universe around me and and I myself am created with purpose. God has and always has had a plan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the firm foundations that we can find ourselves standing on in your words. Thank you, God, that we can know that you are the creator of it all. When we look at it, when we see the vastness and in the expanse of it all, when we see the beautiful intricacies, God, we, we called to question, how did this all happen and, and, and who, who brought this about And God, tonight, thank you for reassuring us on the firm foundation that that you are God and you are creator God and we are created ones and you've created the vast expanse of all this beauty around us and you have plan and you have purpose in it. Thank you that that reassures us in these very, very trying times Father, in these topsy-turvy days, I want to ask that you would minister. Come, Holy Spirit, even now. Come and minister your peace. Come and minister your knowing. Come and minister your truth to the depths of everyone's hearts as we listen in tonight. Thank you for your work amongst us, Spirit of the living God. We love you, and we want to be a people that stand upon firm foundations so that we can live as you would have us live. We bless your work amongst us in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.